This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Mary Beth Franklin, welcome back to the Retire Sooner podcast. You're the goat of Social Security and Medicare. So we'll so let's talk about healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid, and and Irma, which is kind of somewhere in between. This is how much your Social Security payment is impacted by your uh, your earnings. Well, really, it's how much your earnings are impacting your your Medicare premium or your Medicare Part B and D. So let's start with just quick overview, Medicare, Medicaid, just a quick definition for our listeners, the difference between those two. Yeah, people often confuse Medicare, which is the health government-run health insurance program for people 65 and older, as well as certain people on disability, versus Medicaid which is essentially medical welfare for the poor. The only reason older people get confused about Medicaid is that is what ends up paying most nursing home bills when people run out of money. So the only point in retirement you're thinking about Medicaid is this, all the money I've saved all my life for retirement, now I've gone into a nursing home, and I have blown through all my money, Medicaid is going to pay my bills. But it's also going to Medicaid tell me- will, For a Medicaid-approved nursing facility, right? It's, right, it's and not as only though. after you ran through all of your money. So this is not money buys you choices. And if you have money earmarked that if you need to go into some sort of facility in your later years- if you have money to pay to get into the facility of your choice where your family members can come visit you and you're going to get excellent care, that's a much better choice than saying, I have no money left if I can get into a nursing home facility that might be 250 miles from my nearest relative, but it's going to be paid by Medicaid. My bills are going to be paid, but it's going to be a very basic existence. Which, again, in the confusing part here, I think that you mentioned is that Medicaid pays for a lot of nursing, uh, uh, assisted living, right? Assisted living, nursing Not assisted care. living, usually. Or, nursing homes. Nursing homes. Nursing homes. See, this is why it's confusing. But Medicare doesn't pay for any nursing homes whatsoever. It doesn't no. pay for assisted living. Think either. of Medicare. The, the easiest way to think of Medicare is while most of us are working, we get health insurance through our employer. When you retire, most retirees are getting Medicare through the government, through Medicare. That's their health insurance. 
But it's like everything else. Medicare has gotten very complicated over the last few years. And let's start with the basics, A, B, C, and D of Medicare. A covers your hospitalization. It's, quote, premium-free because you paid for it your whole life through your FICA taxes when you were working. Medicare Part B is what covers your doctor's bills and your outpatient services, et cetera. That has a monthly premium. This year, most people will pay roughly $175 a month for their Medicare Part B premium. And if you are receiving Social Security, that Medicare Part B premium is deducted directly from your Social Security check. Um, Depending on your income, however, you might be paying a whole lot more for that exact same Medicare Part B services because of something known as IRMA that you mentioned. It stands for Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. Irma, it's a hurricane for your healthcare costs and retirement. <laughs> Sounds like a hurricane, yeah. <laughs> so once, basically, um, and they look at your last available tax return. So this year, 2024, uh, Social Security and Medicare are looking at your 2022 tax returns. And if you're single- Oh, last available. Great, great point, because you haven't filed for 2023 yet. So, right. so you're it's always, always looking two back- years in a rear. Two okay. years, okay, yep. And so for 2024, looking at your 2022 tax return, if you're single and your modified adjusted gross income, which is basically your AGI, everything on your tax return, plus any tax exempt interest if you invested in muni bonds, if that combined is $103,000 or less, you're good. You're paying the standard monthly Part B premium. Married couple, twice that. Your joint income is $206,000 or less, you're good. Paying the standard premium, you go one dollar over, one hundred and three and one, two hundred and six and one. Now you're into the first Irma bracket. There's five brackets. Worst case scenario, you could be paying over five hundred dollars a month for Medicare Part B per person. So if you're both over sixty-five, that's times two, and that's just for your Medicare Part B. If you're in traditional Medicare, you still have to pay a Medigap policy and you probably have a drug plan and your Medicare Part D drug plan also has an ARMA surcharge on it. So for your really high income people, I'm talking with joint incomes of $750,000 a year or more, single incomes of $500,000 or more, these people are paying over $15,000 a year in premiums before they see a doctor or fill one prescription. That's just Medicare Part B. B and is, D is Irma. B oh, it's B and D. Okay, right. So again, over seven fifty for a couple. That's when you get almost six hundred a month per person. So that's you get to almost twelve hundred bucks a month. But to your point, just looking at these categories and how much the expense jumps for retirees, you go from about one hundred and seventy five bucks a month, which is the standard that most people pay, to. 244. So it's $69 more per month. So that's times 12. That's 800 bucks, $828. If you make $1 above that cap. So that's an expensive I always dollar. say when I do my taxes, I am very aware of the armor brackets. And as a self-employed person, I have flexibility with my taxes. For example, how much I put in my solo 401k plan that can bring my 
my net income debt. Adjusted gross. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to quickly, you said something about municipal bond income. Unibond interest is considered tax exempt, except is added back with your AGI when it comes to calculating your IRMA premiums. Right. So it's not taxable, but it counts towards IRMA. Do you count that in, in the 2,700 plus rules? That's not even part of the, so that's not even Yeah, it's probably, probably in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about part C? We've got, so A is hospitalization, B, doctors, office visits, et cetera. D, uh, we can always remember that, D for the drug plan. Trust. Part C. Yeah, so think of it this way. If you're in what they call original or traditional Medicare, you have Medicare part A, Medicare part B, you can add a drug plan if you want, that's D. And then you're going to have a lot of deductible and co-payments. So most people buy what they call a Medigap policy, private insurance to fill the gap, also known as a supplemental plan. Other people choose to get Medicare in a bundled situation. It used to be called Medicare C. It's more commonly known as Medicare Advantage. You still have to sign up for parts A and B. But at this point, rather than getting your Medicare services through the government, you're getting them through a private health insurer. It tends to be a network. Medicare Advantage plans often will say there are zero premium plans. In other words, you're still paying your Part B premium that's deducted from your Social Security check. To the government directly. Any additional premium or very low premium for that Medicare Advantage plan. And the Medicare Advantage plans often have a lot of extra. Hey, we're including your drug coverage in here. Hey, we're going to cover your hearing aids, vision, and dental that traditional Medicare doesn't cover. Hey, we're going to give you a silver sneaker membership to go to your local gym. (laughs) But you have to use providers in our network. And you have to get prior approval in most cases for specialists. And gee, I'm sorry you have cancer and you want to go to MD Anderson in Houston, but not in our network. You can't. So that's the trade-off. So I usually that's tell- That's Medicare Advantage. That's the bundled Medicare Advantage through a healthcare provider that right. is- and in- Does that though, if, if, if it's in the plan, if it's in the network, does that cover the 20% of the bills that don't necessarily get paid? So does, isn't it about an 80% coverage- The other 20 gets covered by the... Generally, Medicare covers about 80% of approved costs. And then your Medigap policy or your Medicare Advantage plan will make up the difference. So in many cases, having traditional Medicare and a Medigap plan may be more expensive on a monthly basis from a premium standpoint compared to a Medicare Advantage plan. But almost all your costs are going to be covered and your insurance is good almost any place in the country that's going to accept Medicare. You may is say- Medi- Medi- your, your Medicare or your Medigap Medicare policy, is that synonymous with a Medicare supplemental plan? Yes. You use those two yes. together? Yeah. Correct. You're, you're filling the gaps with the supplemental plan. So you can call it a Medigap plan, a Medicare supplement. Now- Medicare Advantage plans, some of them are very good and comprehensive. They just differ wildly depending on where you live. It's a very geographic-specific plan. And in many for example, cases, For example, who leads where? Like who's in the Southeast? Is there somebody on the West Coast? I, or- I, I can't answer that. There are people who just specialize in these plans. But the issue becomes 
If you say, hey, I'm going to go to a Medicare Advantage plan, but I go to Florida or Arizona for three months every winter, I want to make sure my Medicare Advantage plans is covered there. It may, it may not. That's a question you want to ask. For example, though, in the state of Georgia, and again, I don't, I don't do Medicare or supplemental Medicare plans for, for a living. I talk to a lot of providers that that help people figure this out because it is so complicated. But for example, in the state of Georgia, you you hear of the I guess it would really be the Part C that people are choosing, the supplemental part, where you can go plan F, G, H, I, J. That's the complicated part where sometimes it is really helpful for you to go and speak to a medic called a Medicare consultant that can help you find the right choice there. I think it's an excellent idea before people reach age 65 to reach out to a professional. But you also want to ask them questions. For example, some of these Medicare benefit specialists will only deal in Medicare Advantage plans and will not be able to tell you your choices under traditional Medicare if you want a Medigap policy, a supplemental policy. You want someone who will be able to address your questions under both systems to see what's the best for you. I usually tell people, if you travel around the country a lot, when you make your initial Medicare decision, you've got this choice. I'm going to stick with original Medicare and a Medigap policy, or am I going to go the Medicare Advantage route? I usually tell people, if you can afford it, stick with original Medicare and buy the best Medigap policy you can afford, which right now is a, a G plan. It's the most comprehensive, tends to be the most expensive. Because if things change in the future, gee, I can't afford this monthly expense anymore, or my prescription drugs have changed, things like that, you can trade down in policy. It's really hard to trade up. Gee, I'm going to start with mm -hmm. Medicare Advantage because I'm really healthy now at 65. And then at 75, I have all these health problems. I want to go back to original Medicare. Well, now you have to medically qualify. When you are first eligible for Medicare at 65, three months before your 65th birthday, your birthday month, three months afterwards, that's called your initial enrollment period. You can choose any Medigap policy you want. They can't turn you down. There is no medical underwriting in that initial enrollment period. Once but that, only that one time, the three months prior to the 65th birthday and the three months after as you're signing up and you can do it anywhere right. in that window, no medical qualification if you want to go out and get the full-blown G plan for your Medicare, Medicare supplement. Okay. And once right. that initial enrollment period has ended, you can try to switch policies, but now you're subject to medical underwriting. Oh, gee, you got diabetes. Yeah, you got a high cholesterol, high blush. We don't want you. So I always tell people to buy the best insurance they can afford in the beginning. And it's going to be easier to trade down. They'll take you. Somebody will take you, but it might not be the plan of your choice. Thinking about retirement in 2024? Well, you're not alone. And I've got just the thing to help guide you on your journey. What the happiest retirees know. My most recent book that shares the 10 habits of the happiest retirees meant to help you land at a place where work becomes optional. 
For a limited time, get 25% off at westmossbooks.com. Simply use the promo code OURTREAT, all one word, at checkout. That's westmossbooks.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If we think about trading down, going to Medicare Advantage, which may be less coverage, it makes sense that you can go from a G plan, quote, down to a Medicare Advantage, but it's real tough let's say it's 75, if you've got some some issues, to go from a lower supplemental plan or a Medicare Advantage plan and say, now I want the cream of the crop. Now I want the Cadillac plan, which is the, is G. Then you have to medically qualify, is what you're saying. Correct. Wow. So that's why your initial enrollment period is so important. One, assuming you are not still working and have group health insurance at work, you must enroll in Medicare during that seven-month initial enrollment period. Or if you delay and enroll in Medicare later, now you're going to pay a lifetime delayed enrollment penalty every month for the rest of your life. That's a whole other story. Well, okay. So so say that one more time. Say the, the lifetime delayed enrollment. Say that, that, cat, that got when, you real quick again. When you turn 65, you have these seven-month initial enrollment period, three months before your 65th birthday, your birthday month, three months afterwards. During that seven-month initial enrollment period, you can enroll in Medicare, sign up for A and B. If you're going to go, you know, for a supplemental plan, you get a supplemental plan, you get a drug plan. If for some reason you waited for whatever reason, gee, you didn't know how to sign up, and you sign up at 70, five years late, there is a delayed enrollment penalty of 10% per year, for every year you were eligible to enroll and did not. So if you waited till 70, five years late, you're going to pay an extra 50% per month, every month for the rest of your life of your Part B premium because you delayed enrolling. Whoa, that is. So if you're on a one-year round-the-world, round-the-world Robin sabbatical and you just forget to sign up and you would do it the year later, it'll be 10% more onto your Medicare Part B and D premium? That's the Part B. The delayed enrollment penalty for Part D is 1% per month. So it's technically 12% a year. 12%, wow. And by the way, if you're on that round-the-world cruise, Medicare does not operate outside the U.S. border. So now you've got the quandary of, okay, I'll sign up for Medicare at 65 because I have to, um, but I can't use it on the round-the-world cruise cruise. So I still need some sort of travel insurance for that round the world cruise. So for the retirees that say, I'm going to go to live in a, a quaint little town in the coast of Mexico and, and they're 70, Medicare is not going to help in health, from a healthcare perspective. Correct. What does that person typically want to be doing? And by well, the way, if what if... Well, what if you miss a year? Well, let's say you go abroad for two years, seven, 69 to 71. Are you still paying your, if you're living in another country, you're still paying your Medicare, but it doesn't work if you're in a quaint little town on the coast of Mexico. 
So you have to get right. some other coverage. And usually, because I used to write a lot about people retiring abroad, and Mexico, for example, has excellent health care that's very inexpensive. And usually people who are going to uh, San Miguel Allende uh, mm-hmm. are going to either just pay out of pocket or be part of the Medicare uh, the part of the Mexican health insurance plan where, frankly, most of the doctors there were trained in the U.S. anyway. I guess you really have no choice of stopping to pay because Meta, your Medicare part, your IRMA just takes it right out of your Social Security. So you don't really have a, you can't really press pause. Right. And also people say, well, I think I'll sign up for Medicare Advantage because then I won't have to pay the IRMA, right? Wrong. If your income is higher, whether you're in traditional Medicare or Medicare Advantage, you're still paying that excess charges on top of your basic Medicare Part B premium. So again, if you don't enroll, you're going to play, you're going to pay a 10% penalty per year or 12% for drugs. And Just, the one exception, the one yeah, exception oh, there is an exception. If you continue to work and have group health insurance through your current employer or are covered through your spouse's current employer, we're not talking retiree health benefits, but current group health insurance, you can delay enrolling in Medicare penalty-free until after that group health insurance ends. So people who are still working and have health insurance, they don't have to enroll in Medicare at 65. Are there any big changes coming to Medicare in the foreseeable future in 2024 over the next several years, like we're looking at maybe with Social Security, with tweaking the numbers of the tax. Do we see anything big coming with Medicare? They've, they've been tweaking some of the benefits, like particularly in the Medicare Advantage plans. Gee, if you need a ride to the doctor, we can supply that as part of your plan or, you know, things around the edges, but nothing major that I'm aware of. And again, I only... I don't profess to be the Medicare expert. I know enough about Medicare as its costs relate to Social Security. But I would not be in the position to advise somebody of, gee, this is the Medicare supplemental plan you should buy, or this is the Medicare Advantage plan you should go into. You really do need a benefits expert for that. Biggest mistake for Medicare, biggest mistake for Social Security that people make. I think um, just not being informed. Uh, A lot of people will take Social Security at 62 because they can, and that's what their parents did. And yet they didn't realize, well, I could make get so much bigger of a benefit if I waited. Or, gee, this doesn't make sense because I'm still working. Um, Medicare, frankly, it's, it's so complicated. I think it makes Social Security look streamlined. So many choices involved. Um, And... I think it really helps to work with a benefits specialist when you're making that decision. And I do say buy the best coverage you can afford in the beginning. You can always trade down really hard to go in the other direction. With Social Security, how readily available are the folks of the Social Security? You you mentioned there's something like 60,000 employees for, for social. Do you recommend going in and sitting down looking at options with a Social Security person when you're ready to do that? Or, no. or is that something no. that people... No. No, <laughs> no. right. Okay, tell uh, us why. Social Security has so much information available online. It, it, it's like drinking from a fire hose. 
But if you're just basically applying for retirement benefits, do it online. You go right to the homepage at ssa.gov and you'll see, you know, start an application and you just follow the prompts. You know, it's your name, address, birth year, social security number, et cetera. And it will tell you everything you need to know. And then you'll get a follow up phone call. Um, I, I think that's the cleanest way to do it. Now, if you're a widow or widower and trying to collect survivor benefits, you can't do that online. You're going to have to contact Social Security and probably go in in person. There's certain documents they need to see, death certificates, marriage license, all that sort of thing. Um, Social Security has been struggling for the last, I'd say, decade with underfunding, understaffing, and increased demand. I mean, face it, you know boomers are turning... 65 at the rate of 10,000 people a day and have been since about 2010. At the same time, Social Security's budget was virtually frozen and they have attrition. A lot of their employees are retirement age. They need more money to train <laughs> retiring employees too. Yeah. exactly to answer all the questions of the public. And for about the last five or more years, we have had a series of acting commissioners who are like babysitting the agency. They're doing the best they can, but they really don't have that clout as leaders. Um, we have, for the first time in many years, a Senate-approved new Social Security commissioner that was um, sworn in on January 19th. His name is Martin O'Malley. I've spoken to him. I think he's a great appointment. He was a two-time mayor of Baltimore. He was a former governor of the state of Maryland. His expertise is in um, data management and customer service, and that is his focus. Don't ask this guy, what are they going to do about the trust funds? That's not his problem. Congress has to do it. His goal is to make sure that the 800 Social Security number, 800-772-1213, is answered in a timely fashion. He is there to make sure that the backlog of disability hearing cases will continue to diminish. Um, he is all about getting the right people in the job to answer the public's questions and get them the benefits they have paid for all their lives through their FICA taxes. And I am very excited that he's in this position and I expect great things from him. From Martin O'Malley. Two other topics I want to briefly cover, taxes and disability insurance. Let's start with DI. I do have families that we I've worked with and work with over the years that had things happen and they weren't able to continue work through an injury or a sickness, but it, but it, it can take, it seems like it can take a really long time for somebody to get social security disability insurance. What's that process? What do those benefits typically look like percentage or for on a, on a monthly amount? Well, think of social security as a three prong system. Um, if you die, there's a benefits for your survivors. It's like life insurance. If you retire, you get retirement income on a monthly basis, like an annuity. And if you become disabled due to an injury or an illness and you can no longer work and you are approved for Social Security disability benefits, because this is on a case by case basis. Retirement is straightforward. You apply for benefits, you get it based on your average lifetime earnings and the age when you apply. Disability is, oh, let's review the medical records, let's review the accident reports. It can take two years to get approved for disability. But 
if you are approved for disability, then they're going to backdate those benefits to the Mm. time of when they approved you. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people die waiting to be approved for a disability Mm. benefit. Um, If you are approved for disability, let's say you're 55 years old and had some sort of accident, you can't work anymore. While I don't know the ins and outs of all the formula calculations, the concept is roughly you would get the equivalent of your full retirement age benefit, even though you're in your Mm. 50s. And then once you reach your full retirement age, your social security disability automatically changes into a social security retirement benefit, but the amount remains the same. But if you are approved for social security disability, in many ways, it's like social security retirement. If you have a spouse of retirement age who maybe has no work history of her own, but you're collecting a disability benefit, she may be entitled to a spousal benefit based on your disability benefit. If you have minor dependent children in your household and you're receiving disability, they would be able to receive a social security dependent benefit. So the the bottom line is it's there for people who can no longer work, who have to stop working before their full retirement age, but it's highly personal as far as if you'll be approved, how long it will take, um, how much you're going to And definitely case-by-case basis. You've got to go in, you've got to apply, they review your file, and it can, again, take two years before they approve or disapprove. And that is one of the things Social Security has been working on because you can imagine during the pandemic when all their 60,000 employees are working from home, there is this huge backlog in cases and they're trying to whittle away at that backlog. How about taxes? When I always think of what, what, one of the other determinations that we, we didn't talk much about this is that we, I think about what is your tax rate when you start to collect Social Security and if somebody in the house is working and you're at a super high tax rate, then you're not keeping as much of the Social Security because it does go ultimately to your overall income. Now, I think it's, well, certainly, I know in certain states, there's different rules around state income tax and exemptions, but what is the, the general purview around your Social Security getting taxed or not? Well, Social Security benefits are taxable once your income uh, crosses a certain threshold. But the thresholds are so incredibly low because they were set in 1983 and they were never indexed for inflation. So once you're, if you're single and your um, combined income exceeds $25,000, now part of your Social Security benefit is going to be taxed. What is your combined income? It's your adjusted gross income, which is essentially everything on your tax return, And that adjusted gross income includes half of your Social Security benefits. And now we're going to add the other half of your Social Security benefits and any tax-exempt interest you had on investing in muni bonds. And all that together is called your combined income or your provisional income. And if your combined income exceeds $25,000 if you're single and $32,000 if you're married filing jointly, Now you get into this formula of calculating how much of your Social Security benefits are going to be taxed at your ordinary tax bracket. And a worst case scenario, up to 85% of your Social Security benefits can be taxed. 
Right. So it's, again, for most people, most of their Social Security benefit per month is going to be taxed, period. And that's at the and federal I know, level. I, the, the, now, federal, most, right. And then states are going to be different. Yeah. The majority of states do not tax Social Security benefits, like 22, 23, whatever. And, and that's been evolving over the years. There there are about, I'm to think, maybe 12, 14 states that do tax at the state level. And some of them are tied to income. Some of them, it's a street tax. So, you know, again, this is such a, I always feel like we're going to nail everything down. I always think of this as like, we've got this tornado of information and we're going to capture it all in this Vitamix blender and we're going to just keep it all here. And it's, it's going to solve everyone's social security questions and problems. And I think it will to some extent or at least solve a portion of your questions and the big overview. And I think we totally, we absolutely did that today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The other thing that I, I, when I think about these rules is they, when you explain them, because you're, you're, you're one of the greatest of all time in explaining social security in a, in a, in a way that we can digest it. It's just that three days from now, I'm going to say to myself, wait, what did, what did Mary Beth Franklin say about that piece? What, wait, wait, what was the, what was the rule around divorce, well, widows, second husband? Wait, 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 what did she say? So, so where, what's the resource where people can go find you 24 seven? Well, um, two things. One, my own website is marybethfranklin.com. Pretty easy to remember. And on that website, I have a lot of free articles that explain Social Security benefits, whether you're single, married, divorced, widowed, you know, fam- families with minor children, that sort of thing. Um, you can also buy my ebook there, uh, which is called Maximizing Social Security Benefits, or you could go directly to MaximizingSocialSecurityBenefits.com to purchase my ebook. It's uh, $29.95, and it's an ebook. It means you download it, and if you choose to print it out, but I don't believe anybody should have to read 300 pages about Social Security, where some of my colleagues have written extensive tomes on the subject. Mine's about 50 pages, tells you everything you need to know. And if you don't want to read that many, you just go right to the section that says single, married, divorced, widowed, and find the information that you need for you. Are you going to, now that you've retired from investment news, are you, you're going to continue to do appearances, panels, interviews? slow down on the writing or what's your, what's part-time work look like for you now in your happy Well, I love the interaction with the audience, like podcasts, like with US and the in-person presentations and uh, client events, that sort of thing. Uh, This is the first time in more than 40 years I have not had a writing deadline. And I have to say, I'm enjoying it because it leaves more time for my passions of pickleball and skiing. Yes, I know you're a pickleball player. So, uh, and traveling, my, uh, my family and I celebrated with a few weeks in Italy earlier this year. So I am just hoping to live that retirement life that I've been telling people for decades of how to save for it. 
and um, I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. I leave for Val, Colorado on Saturday for my first uh, ski trip of the season. I'm hoping for some great snow. I'm praying for powder for you in Vail. It is, it's been a light year so far in the United States when it comes to fresh snow. Now, I know that the mountains are making snow, but for, there's nothing like fresh snow. It's really one of the most incredible joys in the world. If you're a skier or a snowboarder, we have, a lot, we have a lot of snowboarders that listen to the Retire Sooner podcast. That's actually what I do. I, I snowboard. My so wife I skis understand. My, I, I snowboard. My wife skis. My I've made all my kids learn to snowboard. All, all four boys snowboard now. But the so we, rank your favorite things. You're you're a skier. Where do you put pickleball travel? What's your rank your core pursuits in the world? Uh, okay, um, I would say travel first. I love to travel. Uh, I would say pickleball second because I get to play two to three times a week. Um, yeah. I would play um, skiing third just because I only get to do it a few times a year. I live on the East Coast, so I'm generally traveling to Colorado or Utah to ski. I love it. I'll never be a great skier because guess what? I didn't start till I was 40. When I was 40, Ooh. I declared it the me decade. I figured I'd been raising my two sons in my 30s. So when I turned 40, I said I wanted to learn to ski, rollerblade, and play the piano. I learned to ski. I've never missed a season over the last 29 years. Uh, I took piano lessons for 12 years, and I was pretty good for a while. I'd like to get back to that in retirement. And I rollerbladed every day as um, cross-training for many <laughs> years. I don't do that so much anymore. Uh, pickleball's sort of taken up some of the slack. But I, I'm... I'm fortunate to be healthy and active, and that's what I want to keep doing is every time I go to a physical therapy session, it's, I always hear motion is lotion, so that's the key to healthy aging. <laughs> motion. I don't know if I, I've heard that phrase. I love that. Motion is lotion. Well, you're going to have a little bit more time, so less riding, more pickleball, more skiing, more travel, which those are all awesome things. Did you... So you're, where, where are you? New York, where are you in the country? East I'm outside of Washington, D.C. Did you ever think about, CNBC always runs these, they do such a good job of painting this amazing picture of this inexpensive retirement in a quaint little town and in somewhere outside of Mexico City or on the coast. Do, it's, it's one of these things that's often talked about, but very rarely do I see people really do it. Do you, you used to write about it a lot. Is it just more of a fantasy or, or, or do, a, do you know a lot there, of Americans that really do it? There's a small percentages of Americans that do it for a variety of reasons. A lot of people just are satisfying that wanderlust. Others are looking for a lower cost of living. Uh, but there are trade-offs. I, I remember when I was at Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine where I wrote and was a retirement editor for about 13 years there. And I went on an undercover mission to Belize because they were promoting that as a great place for retirees. So I did not go as a journalist. I went as a prospective, uh, you know, home purchaser in Belize. And it was an eye-opening experience. And I think I called my article, um, Belize It or Not, and that, <laughs> it's good, too good. yes, um, it would be cheaper if you want to live like a local, but those are buying the ham hocks in the open air market that have been sitting in the sun for eight hours. And it means you're siphoning the gas from your neighbor's car who went across to Mexico to get it 
were cheaper. Uh, and it had this sort of sense of post-colonial decay. Um, yes, there were a lot of uh, drunk old retirees uh, on some of the barrier islands. It was like Margaritaville on Metamucil. It was not my vision of retirement. Uh, was it as sexy as you were thinking? Was it like out of a James Bond movie, was it? Somebody wants to do that for a year or two, particularly if maybe you're retiring early, 62, 63, but probably want to come back home by the time Medicare is kicking in at 65. Or, you know, maybe I'm buying a, a place in Spain. There's now a, a big new retirement community called Ambera that is designed like the villages in Florida. Just opened a couple of years ago. I actually talked to the developers at some point um, because Europe doesn't have anything like retirement communities. And they thought, what a great idea. We have all these Europeans with pensions. They have money. They want to come and live in the sun. And they started to build this thing just as the COVID pandemic hit. So their uh, development plans were a little delayed. But you know what? When you're a U.S. citizen, no matter where you live in the world, you still pay U.S. taxes on all of your income. And that happens unless you choose to renounce your U.S. citizenship, which most people don't want to do. And when I was on this tour of Belize, I do remember one of the people on my tour raising his hand to ask a question whether the United States had an extradition agreement with Belize. I thought, this is not the next door neighbor I want. <laughs> <laughs> you get some natural selection on that too. It's funny when I'm Googling that we're talking here, this, this looks like a fake story that says 5 million American retirees, one in six years now live abroad. That's, that's, that can't be right. Here's one from Kiplinger for, uh, updated October, 2023 that says about 450,000 people receive social security benefits outside the U S up from 307 thousand and oh eight. So it's, it's like a half a million people total at, at the most. And many of those people were born outside of the United States, spent their careers in the U S and then retired abroad. If you are a U.S. citizen, you can receive your social security check virtually any place in the world, except North Korea, Afghanistan, and Iraq or something. Um, <laughs> if, if you've earned your social security benefit, and you're, say, a green card holder, you're not a U.S. citizen, and you retire abroad, well, then it becomes a little problematic. It depends which country you go home to and what their individual social security agreement is with the United States. No problem if you're in Western Europe and Japan. Might be a problem in certain African and Asian cities. Um, so it's, again, a very specific decision. And the, the person who has you know, it earned those benefits can collect them now, their dependent spouse or minor dependent children might not be able to get them if they're out of the U.S. for more than six months. Again, lots of lots of exceptions. You know, I think it's a I really do think it is a, quite an adventure to think about doing that. A big part of me, though, thinks about all the places in the United States we don't get to know the the, the many towns in the United States that we never visit. It's impossible to do so. And then, of course, very few places we really get to know. And every town, it's not like going to the south of you know, Sevilla in Spain and, and living in on Calle Mino, but it's 
still there's so much rich, riches in the United States that it's hard it's hard for me to sell myself on going to another country. Now, it, it sounds like a one-year adventure. I could see doing that, but it just, it's hard for me. I, I can't see finding a better place outside the, the U.S. because there's, there are, there's almost infinitely amazing places here inside the U.S., but it's an amazing thing to think about. It's, it's so adventurous to think about. All right, we're going to find uh, Mary Beth Franklin at marybethfranklin.com. Of course, maximizing social security benefits.com. And every once in a while, right here on the Retire Sooner podcast. Let me add one more thing. Um, I yeah. did a one hour special called Social Security and You for public television. It had oh. aired in the Baltimore, Washington, Twin Cities markets over the last few months. It will now be available over the next two years for local public television stations around the country. So you, if you see Social Security and You with Mary Beth Franklin, tune in. That's cool, too. You can't not tune in to Mary Beth Franklin. All right. Well, listen, uh, enjoy this new life of slightly more core pursuit time. Still some work, some skiing, rollerblading, piano. So enjoy and have fun and stay healthy. Someone told me that motion is lotion. So keep it up. And I'm, I pray for some fresh powder for you this ski season. Thank you, Wes. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This information is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no guaranteed offer that investment return, yield, or performance will be achieved. Stock prices fluctuate, sometimes rapidly and dramatically, due to factors affecting individual companies, particular industries or sectors, or general market conditions. For stocks paying dividends, dividends are not guaranteed and can increase, decrease, or be eliminated without notice. Fixed income securities involve interest rate, credit, inflation, and reinvestment risks and possible loss of principal. As interest rates rise, the value of fixed income securities falls. Past performance is not indicative of future results when considering any investment vehicle. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. Investment decisions should not be based solely on information contained here. This information is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment, tax, estate, or financial planning considerations or decisions. The information contained here is strictly an opinion and it is not known whether the strategies will be successful. The views and opinions expressed are for educational purposes only as of the date of production and may change without notice at any time based on numerous factors such as market and other conditions.